Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., This is a podcast from Minute Media. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we're coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We're live over on Crowdcast. We're also live over on YouTube. Or maybe you're listening later on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher. Tune in. Literally anywhere you can get podcasts, you can be listening to this. And that's all cool. And guys, we have a pizzacked show for you today. Oh, okay. Very exciting. Uh, Now, I'm not quite sure where to kick it off. Uh, Maybe we should kick it off with the official drink of tonight's show. Should we start there? I think that's a great idea. This week... We were discussing drinks on the Patreon Slack, patreon.com slash comic book club. And our Are you resident, talking about the food and drink uh, channel? In the food and drink channel. And our nice. resident chef, Brett Macris, was, as he's usually Great do, bullies. he uh, puts up a vote of a couple of different recipes from the Gotham City cocktail. Book. We, we talk about Brett on this show so much. It feels like he's there, like at an omelet station, just at all times. We're like, gonna just, just like we're gonna whipping him up. You want to put some peppers in that? Yeah, I'll take a Western this morning. How are you? I love a good Western. So the short version of this is there is a drink called the Burnsider in the book that was originally chosen. And several jokes later, it turned into something else, which is the drink that we made tonight. Um, Now I can uh, here. I'm going to bring up the recipe because Brett actually sent it through in case anybody watching wants to check it out. So. The recipe here, this is the Bo Burnham Cider Bun Cider, which Whoa. is five ounces of ginger beer, an ounce of bourbon, half an ounce of Contreau, quarter ounce lemon juice, lemon peel with garnish, and a sweet bun on a chopstick garnish, optional if you're not Alex. Uh, a little hard to explain, but again, it happened over the course a of the sweet slack. bun on a chopstick is a garnish? Well, that's amazing. Yeah, yes. It makes normal sense. I have um, three Cheerios. 
They're like basically dollhouse donuts. Wait, wait, you got like apple cinnamon Cheerios in there to give it a little bit of the sweet bun, or what kind of Cheerios? They're they're honey nut. Honey nut, okay, dude. Apple cinnamon. What are you? What sort of uh, modern child Gen Z are you? Yeah, Uh, so so yeah, I have a sweet bean bun that I got at the Japanese market. Along with this drink, well, don't flex all over. That looks like precarious. That, that looks it's terrifying. I'm actually going to take it out now and put it on a plate because otherwise, this delightful drink that he came up with is going to collapse. Um, but yeah, you can put any bun you want as a garnish on the side. I will say this drink is delightful. Aww. Very good. I didn't have any ginger beer, so here's what I did: mm. I made some ginger ginger brown sugar syrup and added it to sparkling water. Oh, look at Fancy Pants out of a champagne flute over there. Excellent. Well, that's great stuff. I hope you enjoy your Cheerios, and definitely everybody should try this drink, because again, it's delightful. They're a honey of an O, is what I always like to say. Now, excuse me, got that ginger beer and bun in my throat. Oh, I thought you were dying. That's the downside. Also dying. I mean, I am. We all are, slowly. So, Uh, another thing that we talked about uh, last week... Is we have challenges, probably the wrong word, but politely asked, perhaps, people to leave us comments over on iTunes, in the iTunes comments on the podcast, and they can either leave us a question for asked, uh, audience questions later on in the show, or they can request that we review a book for you. We actually got one last week. The book is called... I am Why Do I Need Venmo Years Old by Janine Annette, illustrated by <laughs> Ali Solomon. And normally we do reviews later in the show or in our Stack podcast, but uh, just uh, just because we talked about it at the beginning of last week's show, I figured we could review it now. And I promised to do a scathing review oh, of right. this book. You so, don't have to, Alex. If it, here, uh, here we go. You weren't scathed. Uh, I am... Uh, why do I even need this book? Years old, I would say. Oh wow! I feel bad already. <laughs> I can't yeah, do it. It's it's not cool. Yeah, it's not cool at all. L- so listen, this book is uh, not exactly New Yorker cartoons, but like I would say in the style of New Yorker yes. cartoons. Yeah. Uh, it has some great illustrations by Ali Solomon that are paired up with the words where it's all "I am" in quotes. Years old. Uh, there's many fun ones throughout the book. I uh, it's an enjoyable little. Is it a coffee table book? What would you call it? Like bedside yeah, book. It's like Far Side. It's just a bunch of uh, kind of panels and. Uh... Alex, you could put a book almost anywhere. Oh, a gift book. Yes, that's right. Derek Mainhart said a gift book. Uh, what, Justin? You had a couple of favorites for the book, right? Um, yes. I, well, I want to say. Uh, I want to say first off, it's very. Uh, I feel like rare in this sort of like one-page uh, cartoonist world, where the illustration really adds more joke to the uh, the caption. Which, and I thought this book did a great job of that. The, the illustrations were awesome. Some of my faves. I am a New York Times obsessed with the New York Times cooking apple, bragging about parallel parking. Uh, that's what I do all day at home. And neighbors, they're like, who's this parallel parker over here? Uh, mm-hmm. parallel, parallel parker can't lose. That's what they call me. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> my, one of mine is, I am thinking about dinner starting at 3.30 p.m. years old. Yes. Like, I've yeah. seen the hungries come over Pete's face, and it ends whatever we're doing. Uh, that's for sure. So, yeah, uh, very look- relatable book as yeah. well, particularly if you are of the age referenced in the title. Um, mm-hmm. It's available everywhere right now. And it stinks. Uh, don't listen to Alex. He's obsessed with scathing. This book is super fun. Definitely check it out. And if you want us to, to review your book, 
hit us up with a comment uh, on um, on Apple. Uh, the Apple main just the Apple of your choice. Go. Here's what you do. Just write. Uh, uh, go into a supermarket. Yeah. Whisper your question into an Apple, and it will it'll get back to it. us. It'll make us. Granny work. Smith, you know how we love grannies. I'm looking at you, Pete. I only like grandmas. To, I, only <laughs> I only respond to Honey Crisps personally. Oh wow! Wow. Okay, mm-hmm. we're having a bit of an Apple clash here. Yeah. Absolutely. Here's something we will definitely not clash about is our first guests that we are going to bring into the stream right now. They created an amazing book. Wait, I'm going to find both of their names before I start plugging it. Here we go. Uh, It is called A Better Place. It's out now from Top Shelf. They're Dwayne Murray and Sean Daly. And as mentioned, the book is very, very cool. Hello, Dwayne. How are you? The Tube. That, I heard oh, that no! I heard that was I heard that was a thing. I heard that it was is. a thing. Oh, it's catching on. It's uh, catching you know. on. Wow. And yeah, it's not even close. It's Honeycrisp. It's not even close. Like it's yeah. not even. I'd even That's go done. Gala. I'd go Gala under Honeycrisp, and then Granny Smith down fairly fairly low. Get wow. out of here! What do you want? You want a candy? You want candy? Exactly. Firm you up. This is a hearty <laughs> meal. Honeycrisp. It's like you're at Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> That's a dessert apple. I'm talking about an entree apple. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about this book as hopefully uh, Sean makes his way here. (laughs) He's not. He's not good at this. He's clearly not very very good at this. Sometimes it takes a while. It's all good. Um, I thought this book was phenomenal. It is uh, incredibly emotional, incredibly powerful in terms of what it's saying. Uh, But it's also very fun and has a lovely tribute to superheroes and comics throughout how how do you pitch the book? I, I, I'm always a little hesitant in terms of spoilers of what you want to get into, uh, but it deals with some very heavy subjects in a very light way at the same time. Yeah, I mean, plot-wise, I just I pitch it as a little boy gets uh, told that his grandfather's gone to a better place, and so he sets out to look for this better place to so he can be with his grandfather again. That Which, yeah, every time, I, every time I say that, everyone's like, that sounds like the saddest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm like, and it's fun, um, and yeah, thematically, yeah, it, yeah, and thematically, I, I, I basically say it's like a, it's a, it's a love letter to to comic books and to living in the imagination and to the adults who support that living in the imagination. Yes. Oh, that's a great yeah. way to pitch it. That's so. That's good. that's yeah. That's my that's my other thing. Sean say Sean say he's having trouble getting in. Here, I'm gonna try him again. Really. Um, um, on the, I'll, I'll talk while you're um, yeah, doing some homework it. out. Um, in the uh, the blurb here, School Library Journal compared the the book to I Killed Giants, one of yeah. our favorite yes. books on this podcast. Um, so, uh, writing uh, from a kid's perspective, like how do you get yourself in that mindset? You look older um, than a child. Uh, slightly, yeah, but uh, but you know, some some of us never really progress emotionally. And that's right. You're talking right. to the actual choir. Yeah, we sit in that. We sit in that spot. I, you know, what's funny? I, I, uh, I, I was originally not writing this as a young audience book. I just, I, I guess, I always write from a young point of view because I thought I was writing this for for adults, and then the publisher said, "Oh, a YA." A YA book, great. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, oh, right. oh. So this, I mean, it's it's all essentially the same, but but there was some slightly more graphic things, um, without you know putting too many spoilers in it that that were removed visually. The, nothing changed story wise, but visually, um, you know, some of the comic books uh, that we actually reference. Um, 
One of them is the the death of Superman cover. Yeah, you know the bleeding yeah. the oh, bleeding yeah. S. So yeah. we had our our uh, red rocket um, symbol with the blood dripping down, and and the mm. and the publisher's like, no, nah, yeah, we can't we can't yeah. do that. <laughs> <laughs> we also had a great, and I want to I want to publish someday. We we got a had a great. I, we did a a mock. Um, remember the old uh, death in the family where you put the phone number whether he lives or dies mm-hmm. so we had yeah, that yeah. as an image as well but with the red rocket and uh kid cosmo uh characters red rocket holding the dead kid cosmo in his hands and uh they said no we can't we can't do that either <laughs> but they're they're beautiful images so yeah i didn't i didn't really realize i was writing for what would be pushed as a ya audience i just looked at it as a, as a book for people who love the things I mentioned. And, um, but I did, you know, I, I tapped into being a child and seeing, experiencing the death of my grandparents for the first time uh, and the, my memories of that. And, and I definitely tapped into all that for sure. Yeah. Um, just to take a big step back, because obviously based on the references and everything, it seems like you're a longtime comic books fan. Mm-hmm. Where did you start? Where did your fandom of comic books start with? You know, uh, it's, 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 I, I distinctly remember sort of three different times. One was um, just getting them from my mother. And the first one I, I recollect was like the old star comics, like Spider-Ham and Heathcliff and things like that. Mad balls. Remember that? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, and then friends of mine started, it, it's funny. I started, we started collecting comics like grade six or seven. And that was sort of, for me, that was um, Secret Wars, Spider-Man, Black Costume Time. Wow, and yeah. But I was just collecting because it, the covers were cool. You know, I, I, I remember, I think I'd read them, but I didn't really appreciate them the same way. And then in like the mid 80s, sort of Dark Knight time, you know, when everybody like Watchmen time, that's when I started going into specialty shops and and actually buying those types of books. And so that's my my sort of formative time of comic book reading and collecting and Ninja Turtles, like the original ones before RG took them over and all that. I still have, I have a copy of first printing uh, in my closet over there. So uh, uh, nice. yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice book. And that carried through. I mean, I, I actually stopped in the 90s and it wasn't Image's fault. I just went to university and uh, yeah. stopped collecting around that time. And then I, when I graduated, I came back to it uh, right around Heroes Reborn time. And, and sort of even the, the superhero stuff I was really starting to like, like um, Morrison's JLA and uh, Thunderbolts. I love Major Bummer. Like I, I started to sort of branch oh, out yeah, yeah. beyond the sort of core superhero titles. And then about ten years later, I started branching out into the the books we're talking about, like the like the I Kill Giants and Jeff Lemire's Essex County, um, Matt Kint's Super Spy. That's the stuff that kind of showed me you could break out a genre and, and tell a really great graphic story, which is what inspired uh, this book and why I got some of those artists to do the guest mm-hmm. pages uh, in the book because those stories really inspired this. Yeah, I I mean, maybe this is more a question for Sean in particular, but I it was very reminiscent in a positive way of Jeff Lemire's work to me. Right. So yeah. it was a nice surprise at the end when I was like, oh, OK, well, that there he is. <laughs> yeah. there he is. <laughs> what was it like getting these folks involved and getting them on board? I, w- I was friends with half of them. Um, mm-hmm. I actually I, I was uh, 
I met Jeff at a TCAF, uh, this Toronto Comics Art Festival, when he had he was tabling with Lost Dogs uh, way back in the day. Yeah, and and I I loved the art. I mean, it, I just went right to it and got the book and loved it. And then uh, I read Tales from the Farm and Ghost Stories, and I was actually on a jury for a comic book award in Canada, uh, and I was a big big supporter of Ghost Stories and. Um, I mean, Essex County to me might be the best graphic novel ever written for me. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. And um, for a bit, like I even, and and then him and I, I actually optioned uh, Roughneck to to adapt into a movie because my background is actually in, in the film industry and, and TV oh, industry. Wow. And uh, so I got to be friends with Jeff and I got to be friends with Matt Kent doing the same thing, developing one of his uh, things. And um, Nate as well, That you know, that sort of top shelf trio I, I befriended way back then. Uh, and then Jim Rugg, I just reached out to, and same with uh, Tyler Boss. Tyler Boss to me was sort of the bridge to the newer group of these people. Right. I think Tyler Boss's work is just outstanding, and and him, I just actually kind of cold called, and um, he agreed to do a piece, and that I, I love the piece he did because I felt like it it bridged into this this new wave of these indie indie people that are making these books. Are you thinking about talking to yourself about optioning a better better place for hey. your film? There he is. There's Sean. Sorry to interrupt your joke, Justin. Yeah, he well, really killed it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, like stepping on a punchline. Yeah, exactly. But bam, it's uh, you know what? Originally, like I said, I was in the I was in the uh, film industry, and I was making. Uh, I was making really micro budget indie films. I, I, I made a feature for 20 grand and um, you know, it went around to it played at the Smithsonian. It, it, it did, it did well. So that's where my mind was. And so this, this story was originally going to be written as one of those films after oh, I wow. saw the movie, Jerry. I don't know if you remember Jerry. Oh, yeah. 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 It's Damon and Affleck. Yeah. Walk Casey walking just around. walking around. And that's yeah. originally I wrote this as, just a kid walking around. Yeah. <laughs> he'd, he'd meet a person here and there'd be this sort of philosophical discussion about what a better place was. You know, it was my, my indie film mm. snobby uh, getting in the way there. <laughs> and, and it, it had some interest and, in, and I just, I got some, uh, some notes and I didn't like where they were going with it. So I just, I actually just shelved it and I let it just go away and I let the rights expire. Oh wow! And, it wasn't until, and then eventually it, it, I, it dawned on me like, oh, I should make this a book. And, and this, I should be clear, the stories, the book, the, the film was never complete. It was never good. Um, and it was <laughs> so incredibly different than what the book was. And, and because luckily I have that background in comics I, I, and just in loving them and working with them, um, I knew that it wasn't as simple as taking a screenplay and giving it to Sean. And like, hey, because so many filmmakers do that now yeah. and want to do that. Mm -hmm. I have a failed screenplay. Let me give it to an artist and make a graphic novel. And that's not what I did. I, I worked right. on that script for a year before uh, giving it to Sean. Oh, wow. And um, so, yeah, if that if it goes that route, I have no interest in being a part of it, actually. Like, I, I did the story I wanted to do in the way I wanted to do it. And if someone else who is smarter than me uh, can, can make <laughs> that happen... I think that'd be cool, but but for me, this is this is sort of where it's meant to be. I, I love it as a book. It, it is great now, as a book. 
Yeah, I mean, speaking of which, Sean, now that we have you on, and nice. Good. Sorry about that. That's no, right. you came in at just the right time. <laughs> yeah, all good. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about just visually the look of the book. I was so struck by moving back and forth between black and white and color throughout yeah. it, which people can see on the cover here if you're watching live. But where did that inspiration come from, and what was important about that process for you? So the good news is uh, Dwayne can answer that because this was actually all his idea. Uh, he <laughs> came up with this idea. Wow. Hey, thanks it. for coming, Sean. But it's rare when the runner passes the baton back to the guy. Yeah, yeah. it's the, right. it's the yeah. goodwill hunt. It's the goodwill hunting thing. I did everything. I showed it to Sean. He said, "Can I put my name on that?" Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Yeah, very cool. um, I mean, Sean's right in though, but what Sean brought to it later was expanded so much more and what it was. My initial thought, and it was, uh, we were going to make this as a, I was going to finance the whole thing and uh, pay Sean the page rate and print it. And what I knew was doing that was cheaper in black and white. And so my (laughs) original idea was, well, I, I want this to be a black and white story, but I wanted like a la Schindler's List or even like Jeff's Lost Dogs, I wanted hints of red for the Mars stuff, but that's it. And then I was uh, informed that if you want hints of red, it costs the same to print it (laughs) anyway, because in order to print, you can't just print a page or two in color. (laughs) Now you're paying for the whole book to be in color. And, And once I realized that it sort of evolved into what it is. And to be honest, uh, you know, Sean's being a bit modest. What gave me the confidence to do that was um, how beautiful his washes are. That's, um, I was going to say the way the wash, the color wash matches the black and white wash. Exactly. Oh, like, nice. Yeah. Because in my mind, it was just going to be black and white and then add a bit of color. Uh, but then when that wasn't going to be possible, like I was thinking of going all color because Sean does great watercolors. And I thought, well, maybe I'll just make it all color. But then then I saw Sean's uh, wash and grayscales and I realized I could stick to what I wanted to do. It could be still lush and beautiful and we can even give the color a little more purpose. Whereas before, admittedly, I just thought it'd be cool. Uh, and once I saw the possibilities and what Sean is capable of, it, it evolved into what it is. And that included input from uh, from Top Shelf and editorial into being really clear as to when to go color and when to go black and white. And so there's a, a reason for it. Well, Sean, from your end, what was the process like, given that you're essentially doing both things on the same page? Yeah, it was uh, honestly almost, this sounds weird, but it was almost like no different than... Hmm. Uh, any other comic that I've done because I mostly do comics in watercolor paint. That's kind of the medium that I do for almost everything that I touch. Uh, so when I found out that it was going to be sections of watercolored pages mixed with black and white, I was like, okay, well, this is, I'm going to have to really challenge myself to kind of think outside the box for where these sections will meet, uh, be the most meaningful, I guess. Uh, Cause like Dwayne, you did indicate where we would be doing the colored sections in the script, but there were times here and there where it was like, why don't we turn this page and this panel into kind of a colored imaginary panel? And we would have kind of that back and forth. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I kind of had to challenge myself to, when I was reading the script, look at certain pages, certain panels, and kind of think, could we add color to this? And if we did, what would be the purpose of that? And how is that going to work? So there was a little bit of a difference um, as opposed to having, you know, a full 150 page book that was just color. 
Uh, there's a one uh, page on uh, like page 57, I think, at least in the in the book I have, and uh, it's black and white. Um, uh, it's a bus scene, and it just and the, but the comics in color. Yeah, and that I, that took me right to reading comics on the subway. Where <laughs> I'm so into the comic, and there's this whole crazy world going on around. Yeah, sure. yeah, um, I know the I know the image you're talking about. I, I absolutely love that because I think it's also used in the um, the flap. It's in. It's on one of the flaps of the book because it's just such a, gr- a great image. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what ultimately were you thinking in terms of this story is done, right? Like this is complete in and of itself. There's no sequel or anything like that. Um, are Are there any further stories that the two of you are working on together? Interestingly, I, this is a sort of two-parter for me. This, this to me, again, everything I do is from Essex County. I, I have it as a kind of not connected trilogy oh. so i am working on the second story of this not connected trilogy um but it's going to be more um i'm, I'm trying to go for what four kids walk into a bank did i see oh, it as sort of oh, a yeah. five five six issue thing and then mm-hmm. collect it after but it, it but just because of the story it is um i think it's it suits it better mm-hmm. um and Sean is not the artist I plan on that. And he knows it. I actually sent him the pitch. I sent him some of the stuff that, and the stories and stuff because eventually I wanted to talk to Sean about it story-wise. Uh, but Sean and I, what we are working on together is um, what I hope to be is this, a series of kids' books. Uh, I had a daughter. She's four now. But at the time we started working together, um, she was very young. And uh, she inspired some some stories in me that I, I want Sean to work his color his watercolor magic on uh, nice, in a series nice. of kids books that have a sort of Calvin and Hobbes kind of vibe uh, about a little girl who's, she has an imaginary friend uh, that everyone makes fun of her because they can't see it. And so she decides to build the imaginary friend. And it's this really sort of simple robot that she makes out of stuff from around her house, even though in her mind, it's like, you know, one of these beautiful comic book rendered robot, like Robotech, <laughs> but, in yeah, the, right. it, but it's this sort of Wally broken type thing. And it's just sort of their, their adventures. And it's, it is for a much younger audience. Um, but yeah, in terms of this story, this one's done, but, but I have a trilogy of, of similar themes in mind. The next one being more middle age. And then the last story being uh, old age. Oh, okay. I was oh, going to ask if we were going to see the goth kid again at any point. <laughs> oh, yeah. That she's was not really... necessarily middle aged, so probably. I know, and I love her so much. And yeah, um... <laughs> it was such a she's... beautiful little moment in that in that story. It was so. Cool. And that is, you know, what that actually came to me after because um, when I brought Sean on board, I only had half the script written, and then I had uh, the outline done. But the outline was just the sort of story beats. And she actually didn't come to me till we'd already started working on it as the actual character and who I wanted him to meet and what he was going to get out of her. Um, and yeah, I, I love her so much. And I think even when Sean got the the pages, the story pages of her, I think he was the same. Like, I just, I love her. Oh, I felt like <laughs> she's yeah. so much fun to draw. And I got to take yeah. all of my high school uh, fashion experiences for better or worse. Uh, and put That's them great. In there. Uh, and yeah. Dwayne, it's funny that you mentioned the Calvin and Hobbes thing because I was going to call out Sean in terms of your art style. We mentioned Jeff Lemire earlier. I think part of that is because of the watercolor because he often works in that as well. But definitely, particularly with the facial expressions, it's very Bill Watterson there as well. Yeah. Are those Are those inspirations that you look towards or is that just how your art style is? 
uh, those are all very big in, in inspirations and influences. Actually, <laughs> I kind of since I've been reading comics, I've been reading Calvin and Hobbes, and since I've been reading full graphic novels, I've been reading Jeff's work as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, I definitely was reading a lot of those two things while I was actually working on the book and trying to take as much influence as I could uh, could from those. Uh, but not just for the book, not just for Better Place. They've been influences since I've started drawing. Uh, so I'm glad that kind of there are hints of those uh, coming out through the style in the book. Yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I, oh, I just want to say, like, uh, uh, speaking of Calvin and Hobbes, I mean, there's a lot of heart in this book. A lot of just like kids looking at the beauty of things, even in tough times. It's, it's. I was so glad that I got to read it. It, it is very moving and, and a fantastic book. So congratulations to you both on making it. Yeah. Thanks, man. That that that's means awesome. a lot, and and that's that's the hope, you know. The, the hope is just to make everybody sob. Just like, <laughs> oh, I tiny little I, baby. One hundred percent, honestly, I cried at the end. All honestly, so what it's I just decided too. Actually, it's, uh, when I read the script, I was just like, "Oh, I have oh, to draw man. this book." <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, nice. I mean, just the premise alone, it sets you up. You're like, "Oh, I'm gonna cry." I'm gonna yeah, cry. I don't exactly yeah. know when, and then... <laughs> but it's gonna happen. It's yeah, gonna exactly. Happen. Yeah, uh, guys, congratulations on the book. It's fantastic, uh, and have a great night. Thanks, Thanks man. I appreciate really it. appreciate it. Yeah, right. yeah. Thanks. See Thanks. you on the tube. Yeah. Yes, on the two. Once again, the book is called. Uh, whoop, I lost it. A better place uh, from Top Shelf. Dwayne Murray and Sean Daly. Really fantastic book. On a lot of great grandpas right in now. that too. <laughs> so, wow! Wow! So you're expanding past out. grandmas into grandpas. That's great. I really, I love the fact that you're really stretching your horizons, Pete. That's really beautiful to see. Let's bring in our next guest here. His name is Douglas Woke, and he is the writer of all of the Marvels, which is available now. It is a wild project. I'm very excited to talk about. There it is. Douglas, hello. Yay. Thank you. Hello the show. Hello. Good to be here. Thank you. So for anybody who doesn't know about this project, you probably talked about this incessantly, but you reportedly read 27,000 Marvel comics and then essentially organized the continuity of them, kind of, or at least figured out how they fit together in terms of, kind of sort and of. things like that. Is that wow. a fair way of putting the project? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's less, this is the giant story of it all, although there is an appendix, which is that, than <laughs> uh, I have walked every square foot of this gigantic mountain of stories. Here's a guided tour. Here are some pathways you might want to take. Here's some things you might want to look at. Here's some assessments of what it kind of looks like as a story, as a half million page story that's been going on for 60 years. So I, wow. before we even get into the book, I want to know a little bit about how you read these because I've read a lot of comics. I don't know that I've necessarily read 27,000, but did you start at the beginning and sort of order them actually by chronological yeah. order? Or I did how not. did you hit it? Uh, I grazed. Um, okay. I, nice. so I put together a spreadsheet of everything. Uh, Mike'sAmazingWorld.com has an amazing like resource. It's a document, like a spreadsheet of everything Marvel has ever published. So I edited wow. it down from that. Uh, and... Then it's just like whatever I felt like reading on any given day. Like today I'm going to read some Iron Man. Today I'm going to read some, you know, stuff that Steve Gerber wrote. Today I'm going to read some stories with Fin Fang Fin Fang Flume in them. Yeah. And 
eventually I got to the point where I was like, okay, so I've narrowed it down and there's certain areas of the spreadsheet that I have been avoiding. Yeah. <laughs> which is how I ended up locking myself into an apartment for 11 days with a bunch of protein drinks and 30 years of the Punisher. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Pete's going to come for you on that. Yeah, that we, one, that's the best. That's, that's where I live time. right there. So are you, I, I mean, that was kind of the follow-up that I was going to ask about because we love comics. We've been doing the show for 15 years. We've read and reviewed a lot of comics, but there's times when I definitely am like, I'm hitting a wall. I can't do this <laughs> right now. I got to go what? do something else. I'm sorry. Honest confession. Uh, what an guys. admission. What an admission. Yeah. No, You're out of the points, club. There's points when like, particularly I'll get sick of Marvel and DC and I'll be like, I want to read just a weird image book right now. Like that's all I'm into or top shelf or something like that. Just something that's going to refresh my brain a little bit for the superhero world. So what was it like? IDW. Sure. These are all publishers. <laughs> what was it like immersing yourself in this one superhero universe for so long? It was intense. Um, <laughs> and th there were days when I was like, I don't want comics. I want prose. I don't even want prose. Yeah. I just want to like stare at a wall for a little while. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> on a cereal box. But also like, okay, this, this may be Stockholm syndrome talking, but after a certain point, I got to the point where I could find something I enjoyed in just about any comic, no matter how bad it was. And in fact, some of the really bad ones were, became really interesting to me because of the specific ways they were bad. Like the, the ways they reflected their historical moment. Like that stuff really, really, really shows up. I was talking to somebody last week who was like, so you actually read NFL Super Pro? I was like, yes, I read, I read, I read NFL Super Pro. And in one issue of it, there is a parody of the mythopoetic men's movement of the early nineties. And you're just not going to find that in a good comic. <laughs> That's well, can you, can you uh, hit us with some of the spots in the whole run, the whole Marvel universe that were super surprising or like, I think that's such a, f a funny specific. I feel like the early nineties or the mid nineties was such a weird time as well. So what are some other highlights like that? So highlights, um, there was weird stuff that jumped out. Uh, the living mummy stories in supernatural oh. thrillers, like, they're not super good, but they're really interesting. There's all kinds of amazing, like psychedelic visual stuff going on. Uh, there's, I've talked about this a couple of places. There's a man thing series from 1998 that has never been reprinted. It's J.M. DeMattis and Liam Sharp. It's fantastic. Ooh, it's wow. like the best stuff Liam Sharp has ever done. It's gorgeous. The problem was that it was supposed to be a 13 and it was supposed to be like maybe a 13 part story and marvel printed parts one through 10 and 13 huh uh, like the series ran eight issues and then it was shunted over to strange tales and there's supposed to be four issues of strange tales but then there were only two issues and then there's a spider-man annual that kind of wrapped it up but Didn't. went from the like it, it sort of assumed that like those last two parts of the story had come out and they never came out oh um, wow Someone asks, what's the best and worst Marvel licensed comic from the 80s and 90s? I mean, Ron is real good. Like, it's really, really good. Like, it's genuinely super good. And especially near the end when Steve Ditko is drawing it and P. Craig Russell and John Byrne and all these people are getting their opportunity to ink Steve Ditko and just absolutely kicking it out of the park. Um, there's great. also some weirder stuff. Like, Ditko did like a Phantom series for Marvel in the middle of the nineties. It was not not even the regular Phantom. It was like Phantom Twenty Forty. It was like oh, 
Ooh. Sorry to interrupt, just to mention, yeah. because I see some stuff popping up. Like, yeah, yeah. you skip things that were not continuity, like things that did not affect Marvel continuity, right? So, yeah, my, my, my basic rule was, it was the Spider-Man rule. If the version of Spider-Man who appears in Amazing Spider-Man, that Peter Parker, could appear in a story without a time machine or a universe hopping machine, no matter whether he did or not, but if he could appear, then I had to read it. Huh. Uh, otherwise, huh. I did, and it, like marginal case, I read, I read all the marginal cases. I read all the Ultimate Universe stuff. I read all the New Universe stuff. I read all the romance and horror comics from the 60s, which are great. <laughs> Some of those oh. romance comics from the late 60s and early 70s are just fantastic. Wow. Really? Um, all that stuff. Yeah, Kirby did 2001 Space Odyssey licensed book, which is amazing. And the 2001 series is where he introduced Machine Man. Hmm. Like Machine ah. Man shows up in the last three issues, and then he's Machine Man. Uh, Patsy Walker, yes. Uh, somebody's like, I think I heard you on War Rocket at Ajax the other week. Patsy Walker and Linda Carter, student nurse. I wave the flag for Linda Carter, student wow. nurse. <laughs> we have a question from Derek Mainhart here. says, in yeah. researching the book, did you skip the issues you already read in the past? I mean, if I remembered them well enough to remember the plot chapter and verse, I was like, okay, I can skip this. But also if I remembered the plot well enough to remember the plot chapter and verse, I wanted to read it again. So I ended wow. up reading a lot of stuff again. I don't know if you remember this. Maybe you do. What was the last book you read? I do remember. Uh, I, for dessert, I saved Thunderbolts for dessert. Because <laughs> oh, I knew I was going to like it. I knew I liked the parts I'd read before. It's like, okay this is going to be a fun way to go out. And like, that was for what I had to read. And my nominal stopping point was Marvel legacy in 2017. But actually I kept reading. Like I read all the X-Men books every single week. Wow. I'm not stop doing, can't stop doing that. Interesting. So why was, was it just because of the publication date that you stopped at 2017 or was there I, a specific reason there? I had to have a stopping place. Okay. I had to have a place beyond which I could say like, Okay, I don't have to read everything past this. And Marvel Legacy is it, it is a nice place to kind of round it out. It's like, okay, this is this is the Fantastic Four coming back again. This is where we see them again. This, um and actually I ended up writing a bunch about the like Krakow and X-Men stuff in the book anyway. And <laughs> I think I mentioned that <laughs> and stuff. Like I, I didn't stop. <laughs> well, we stop. can't stop and stop. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this: I like the metaphor of walking through um, a, a massive uh, garden of the Marvel comics. Yeah. Um, what is the one area that you feel like is a beautiful garden that has been untouched for far too long? What's the lost secret garden of the Marvel comics? So, the lost secret garden of Marvel comics. So, journey back with me to 1961. Uh, <laughs> What Marvel is publishing right before the superhero stuff starts, they're publishing a lot of like horror and science fiction anthology right. titles. Yeah. They're publishing a couple of Westerns, a couple of war comics, and they're publishing a bunch of comics about young professional women and teenage girls. Mm -hmm. They're publishing Millie the Model, Modeling with Millie, Patsy and Heidi, Patsy Walker, Linda Carter, Student Nurse, Kathy the Teenage Tornado, uh, Teenage Love, uh, you know, but rom um, romantic, but whether the other the other romance title they're published, like this is a significant chunk of their line, and the very first crossover within Marvel's comics is two months after Fantastic Four number one, and it's in those comics. Wow! Like uh. it is Kathy and Millie 
and <laughs> Linda Carter all meeting each other and consequences from one comic taking place in another comic. Like this is before the superhero characters start crossing over at all. It's happening there. Hmm. And that whole world, it never goes away completely, but those titles kind of trickle away. A million model runs until like 1972, 1973. And they show up, they show up again, like models Inc. But Linda Carter, like the student nurse, she shows up 10 years later and she's a night nurse. She shows up another 30 years after that. She's got a little superhero clinic. She's got a little clinic for injured superheroes to go to. She's in Daredevil. She starts dating Dr. Strange. She's around. She's just a normal person who decided that she wanted to make the world better. I love that. I want to yeah. see more of that. Now, That's great. you arrange the book for the most part by characters or titles or things like that. Why that organizing principle? So there's a bunch of organizing principles going on at once. <laughs> One of them is that the big chapters are roughly chronological. There's a Fantastic Four chapter and then a Spider-Man chapter. And then in, it eventually gets up to like Dark Reign and uh, Secret Wars. Wow. And then there's another chapter that's kind of a personal chapter at the end. But there's also like little thematically organized things inside them. And I really wanted to get across the idea of you don't have to read these things in order. You don't, there is not a specific sequence you have to go through. You can go any order you want. If you are reading comics, you effectively have a time machine and a universe hopping machine. Why would you not use them? You can go any order you want. And I wanted to get that idea across too. Cool. What were... I mean, I know people can get this from reading your book, but in terms of major themes, let's talk about, for example, Fantastic Four, because that's where it starts. Um, you start with, I believe, issue 51, if mm -hmm. I have it correct. And Indeed. so why start there? And what did you find out about Fantastic Four in particular? Well, start there because you have to start somewhere. And mm -hmm. in particular, that one has, it is smack in the middle of Jack Kirby and Stanley's run, 102 issues plus some annuals. And smack in the middle of it, there's an incredible collage page where you know, Reed is saying, you know, I've done it. I've drifted into a world of limitless dimensions. It's the junction to infinity, the gateway to everywhere. Great. What an idea. That is the point from which you can travel anywhere else you like. It is the jumping off point. It's also like a fantastically affecting story. It's also like it's done in one that whole story is in that issue and that is a like okay here's a point we land from here and we can go anywhere we want from here thematically what's going on in fantastic four from the beginning like at the beginning it's basically a monster comic with some recurring protagonists and like the cover of it there's a monster bursting up and there's another monster who's kind of on the corner and the question is okay what's a monster the monster is the thing you have to protect your family from. So here's a comic about a family and monsters. Mm -hmm. And then you get Dr. Doom, who is the monster who you have to take into the family eventually, which is kind of amazing too. And <laughs> like, it's the family that grows and changes in time and the relationship shift. And suddenly there's a kid and a couple of them are uncles and then suddenly like there's another kid and bits of the family break off and they come back together. And that's, that is the dynamic that it explores and exploration. Like, 
like most superhero comics, well, most superhero comics have never been about crime fighting, ever. Like hmm. crime has nothing to do with what superheroes do most of the time. Fantastic Four, even more so. It is about exploration mm -hmm. and relationships and grudges being worked out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a bit of discussion happening here in yeah. the comments about why Marvel and not DC. Sim okay. Simply, I had to pick one. Um, I wanted to do like a giant long-term narrative thing, and it was much easier to sell something on Marvel than on Judge Dredd, which is my other favorite. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which, by the way, 45 years of story that is like in real time. Mm -hmm. Like, it's yeah. amazing. But uh, the thing that Marvel has is that it is all one big story. It, any single part of it can refer to any earlier part. They all have to be more or less compatible with each other. And it has 60 years or 80 years, depending on how you count, of history that is always bearing down on the present. Mm. Anything that you read now is going to reflect that history. And DC has rebooted a couple times. Hypertime or no hypertime, like there've been reboots. There've been like, uh, everything before now doesn't really count, mm. which means it doesn't really have that historical sense. Marvel's got that. And that's really special. There is almost no other kind of story I can think of that has that some soap operas, but, <laughs> but, soap, but you know, for soap operas, you don't have the thing that you don't have the access to the earlier parts. You don't have right. the idea that somebody is even going to have easy access to them. Somebody is asking, what about like New Universe and Star Comics? Yeah, I mean, those are marginal cases, but New Universe stuff all basically got integrated into the 616. Yeah. So I read it all. Um, Star? <laughs> you know, I think you just like comics. I, you keep you, saying like, there, I have all these rules about what comics I could read. And then I read all the other ones too. I mean, <laughs> face. Like, my, my rules were like a kludge to get out of reading you know, 500 issues of Conan. Right. If somebody's about fair. to mention the serpent, the serpent crown, I will give you a nickel not to. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Star Comics, that there is an issue of Top Dog that was originally supposed to be an issue of Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. There, you know, there's an issue of Ren and Stimpy that's the first time Dan Slott wrote Spider-Man. Yeah. I read those because why not? Hmm. Obviously, cool. they're very different projects and very different approaches, but there's your book, there's X-Men Grand Design, which also seeks to tell the entire story of X-Men in one cohesive order. There's been a couple of other things like that, just sort of reevaluating the whole history. Why do you think that's happening right now? Uh, the history is big enough that you can look at it from some angle. I mean, X-Men Grand Design... The fascinating thing about X-Men Grand Design is that the first X-Men comic I ever read and one of the first Marvel comics I ever read was X-Men 138, the one right after the Dark Phoenix story, the one that is literally 22 pages of Cyclops recapping the entire story up to that right. point, <laughs> which is a heck of a way to be introduced to it, but you know, kept yeah. me reading, so fine. Um, <laughs> and X-Men Grand Design, as I read it, it was like, oh, this is this is kind of that. I mean, it's not bad. It's a totally different approach. And it's the like, okay, well, let's let's tweak the thing. But it's a very similar impulse to like stand back from this giant thing and say, okay, what does this look like? What is the story that we're telling here? 
the uh, that Fantastic Four uh, thing that Mark Russell is writing now, the Fantastic Four life oh, story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first issue of that, I don't know if you've read it. It's brilliant. Yeah. It yeah. is, in fact, Fantastic Four number fifty one exploded into the first half of Lee and Kirby's story. What I love about both of those is it, it's stepping back and being like, this makes sense. And I'm going <laughs> to figure out how <laughs> as I go. And, and love the, the Marvel chronology project, like chronologyproject.com. Their, their whole thing is like, let's figure out exactly how, exactly what the individual chronology for every single character in this story is. And there's a certain amount of very polite Talmudic reasoning that goes on there to square <laughs> some circles and make everything line up. And occasionally you'll see a story that has been created specifically just to like effectively get a no prize to fix a glitch. Hmm. Um, those are not necessarily often great stories, but they're hilarious stories to me when you see, <laughs> Oh, Oh, I see what you're doing there. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this is about the content, not necessarily the creators, but there's always an ongoing debate about Stanley versus Jack Kirby, what side things are on. We had uh, Abe Reisman, who wrote the, the biography of Stan Lee on a couple of months ago, uh, to talk about this very topic. Do you have a horse in this race? Do you have a side <laughs> that you take here, given that you've read so much of their work? So I have no horse in the race. Okay. Um, I think it's interesting to hear people who are not Jack Kirby and worked with Stan Lee talk about working with Stan Lee because it's fascinating what they say. He sounds like he's eight different people. And some of them are like, that was the most creatively rewarding experience I've ever had. That guy could just inspire creativity like nobody's business. And some of them are like, that guy just expected me to do everything. He didn't do anything. He stole my credit. He gave me credit like I'd never had before he put me he took me out of nowhere he put my name in lights like he yeah he just stuck my name above mine there's an amazing thing that john ramita senior said in an interview a few years ago which is yeah stan's a con man everybody knows that but he did deliver a con man who delivers <laughs> goods that's exactly what, what he was <laughs> i agree completely uh, i feel like he's the kind of guy that was all those things at the same time or on a minute-to-minute basis or when he moved between desks he was like I like this person. Put their name in lights. I, this guy, no good. Move on. Like it was no, always it, just. I mean, there were very, very occasionally creator credits before Marvel in the '60s, and as early as like 1963, you're seeing him stick on covers. You know, Lee Ditko and Heck deliver another one. Like Lee Ditko and Heck. Like he wants to have his name everywhere, but he is bringing his collaborators' names right there along with him, which is amazing. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I think I talk about in the book, like, you can think about Lee and Kirby as being like Daryl Hall and John Oates, right? Um, one of them <laughs> is the main attraction. He's the person who does a lot of the like really original creative work. And without the other one, the magic doesn't happen. Hmm. Oh, okay. yeah. Right. Um, the other thing I like is the thing that Neil Gaiman used to say about uh, how he co-wrote Good Omens with Terry Pratchett and said, yeah, you know, the thing that people don't know is that like, I actually wrote 90% of that book, but also the thing is Terry also wrote 90% of that book. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, we got a question here from Stray Bullet in the comments. I want to know who your least favorite X-Man is. <laughs> it is not Cyclops. Uh, and it's definitely, <laughs> yes. not, it's definitely not Cypher. Cypher is one of my favorites. Yes. Oh! oh, oh what a also, day like, for Alex. Like, Cypher married well. Yeah, true. <laughs> Very true. Uh, Cypher is fantastic. Although my favorite of all, No Girl. No Girl is the best. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. Why is that? Um, she's a brain in a jar. Mm -hmm. She has a really great sense of humor. And you know, she she manages to have a pretty strong personality despite being a brain in a jar who never communicates. Hmm. It takes a lot. That's true. Not a lot, a lot of visual uh, clues for uh, for No Girl <laughs> to yeah. show her character. Uh, we got another question here from Derek Mainhart. A lot yeah. of film critics hate the MCU because of its interconnectivity and the cultural real estate it currently occupies. Can your celebration of the ever-evolving unwieldiness of Marvel Comics be translated into an argument for the movies? Ooh. Uh, I don't know if the story is great because it's complicated, but I like a lot of the mm. MCU movies. Like, um, It's a whole different medium. It is not as overwhelmingly massively gigantically it's going to take you a couple years to consume it all as the comics are it's a real it's a real different kind of thing uh pablo also asks have you read speedball the final ditko character uh yeah i mean i read all i read all speedball uh some of those stories are really fun they've got uh their i think the bug-eyed voice uh turned up again in unbeatable squirrel girl a couple of years ago yeah and of course one of my favorites then you've read uh penance the yeah. other version yeah. of speed which you know penance relentless that miniseries yeah mm -hmm. genuinely not bad yeah. it is yeah. not a bad comic. yeah yeah i feared it would be it's not <laughs> so now that you have this book in the rearview mirror what is next the next twenty seven thousand marvel comics or what are you tackling i mean the next book i write i don't know what it is it's probably going to have almost nothing to do with comics I could be wrong, but there's a couple ideas I'm bouncing around. I mean, so the first book I wrote was about James Brown and a performance he gave in Harlem one night during the middle of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Wow. Uh, and then I wrote a book about comics, and then I wrote a graphic novel. I wrote a Judge Dredd book, um, and I wrote this. So, so <laughs> could be I don't know what's next, but not DC. Probably. Real quick before I let you go, I know you said you're reading the X-Men Krakoa stuff. Are there yeah. any other Marvel comics, maybe something under the radar that you would recommend? Ooh. Uh, so current stuff that's under the radar. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll tell you my favorite Marvel comic of this year is technically not a Marvel comic. Okay, It is mm -hmm. one of the Marvel, Marvel action comics or Marvel adventure comics published by IDW. Mm -hmm. It ah. is... Uh, Marvel Action or Marvel Adventures, I forget what it is, but one of their Avengers comics, there was three issues written by Katie Cook. Oh, Katie oh. Cook, yeah! Katie Cook, yeah. 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 Katie Cook awesome. is amazing. Yes! Uh, and, you know, she's been writing mostly, like, My Little Pony comics and stuff. Yeah. And she does incredible sketches at cons, and she wrote yeah. a three-issue three Avengers arc, which is about the Avengers on their day off. Uh. Going, for instance, to a local kindergarten to teach traffic safety. <laughs> and... One of the sub one of the teachers at this elementary school is Pace Pot Pete. <laughs> oh, that's funny. who decides that he's going to take this opportunity to finally have his revenge on Captain America. 
And so you know, Captain America and Squirrel Girl are pretending to have a really hard time just to make Paste Pot Pete feel better. <laughs> it's really adorable. Oh, that's, that's fair. I'm going to go back and read that. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Douglas, thank you so much for coming on. Pleasure thank chatting you. with you. Uh, yeah. Congratulations on the book. And yeah. good luck. And all of the marbles. All of the marbles. Yeah. Can't wait yeah. to check it out. All right. Thanks. Take care. Bruce Wayne may appear to be a wealthy playboy, but beneath his facade, his true identity is that of the Batman, waging an endless war against crime. Join the caped crusader in Batman The Audio Adventures, the first scripted audio original featuring Batman and his villainous rogues gallery in a world premiere story of life and death in Gotham City, debuting exclusively on HBO Max. Starring Jeffrey Wright as Batman and a who's who of incredible Saturday Night Live alums, this rollicking adventure, told across 10 episodes, is written and directed by Emmy winner Dennis McNicholas, includes devilishly delightful original music by Doug Bossy, and performances by Rosario Dawson, John Leguizamo, Chris Parnell, Melissa Villasenor, Seth Meyers, Jason Sudeikis, Brooke Shields, Fred Armisen, and many, many more. Go to hbomax.com slash Batman Audio Adventures for more and stream Batman the Audio Adventures only on HBO Max. All right, there we go. Once again, like you mentioned, the book is called All of the Marvels. It's out now by Douglas Woke, and we are going to move to our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up as your audience questions. Yeah. And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question in the comments on YouTube or over here and ask a question on Crowdcast. I see a couple there already, but before we get into that, Pete, what you drinking? Oh, you man. Drinking, Pete? Well, I, I feel like hot garbage, so I'm bounding some uh, seltzer. Oh, nice. Wow. You got a flavored seltzer? Uh, it's peach, you know. Peach! Everyone's favorite seltzer. <laughs> Great. Yum. Uh, have you switched to the Miller High Lives? Excellent. I have just now. Uh, great. Look at those I've, I've switched to straight bourbon. So there we go. Mm. Yeah. Wow, oh, Alex, Alex. You doing all right, buddy? I'm doing great. Dr. Z's about bullet? to come out. A little bullet bourbon? <laughs> for, for those of you who don't know, when Alex is drunk, he's known as Dr. Z. Yep. <laughs> all right, here we go. This first here one is comes. from Stray Bullet, tying into my bourbon. Says, my wife and I have been watching Why the Last Man, Doom Patrol, and Lock and Key, but we're behind on all of them because of our work schedules. We've had time in the last couple of days to catch up, but she was too tired to stay up or wanting to watch some sort of home improvement show. What's like home precedent? Improvement. Yeah, like home improvement. What's precedent for how long I can start to watch the shows on my own without getting flack for not waiting? Ooh, that's that's cool. a, Listen, that I appreciate this huge, because I always say you can ask about with fire anything. There. This is marriage advice right here. This isn't even comic book advice. So thank you, first of all. And the answer is zero. I get burned by this constantly. Constantly. My wife, I will walk in the door, come home from doing something probably important. And what's she doing? Watching the show that we're supposed to be watching together. And it is not cool. Wow. She doesn't watch any of the comic book stuff that I watch. But I watch other stuff with her. Yeah. The... Only time is acceptable, and even then I feel bad about it, is when I tell her I legitimately have to watch something for work. Like, mm-hmm. 
I have to watch ahead on this show because there that are excuse shows... only works. That excuse only works for you. That, exactly. <laughs> it's not a good excuse. And even then, I feel terrible when I'm watching the thing because it's a show that we watch together. So, yeah, the answer is never. Sorry. Yeah. If you want to roll the dice and want to put on a little Oscar-worthy performance, watch it all and then come back and just truly believe and pretend that you never watched mm-hmm. a, a second of it. Ooh, that um, is... You're playing with fire. One little slip-up <laughs> and you're in trouble. Plus, you got to really hey, sell why the... is this episode uh, five episodes in halfway through? How did that happen? Huh. Yeah. Huh, must have been the kids? Do we have kids? Oh, the kids were watching Game of Thrones. Yeah, there should be a way to, like, reset shows. So it doesn't show you where you are. You know what yeah. I mean? Okay. Like, if Wait, Netflix what could like scum, a scumbag I'm a... flip <laughs> over here? <laughs> uh, very general question here on YouTube. This is from The Big. What trade paperbacks Big. would you recommend as far as stuff that's come out in the last six months or so? Ooh, trade from the last six months. That once in future is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely catching up on Once in Future is a great idea. I was going to call out Ice Cream Man. Check out Ooh. recent collections of that. That's great. a good one. Um, Homesick Pilots, I believe their first trade came out within that period. Um, let's see what other books. I mean, X-Men, that's always a good no. one. Like, if no. you are into that, I think getting caught no. up through trade paperbacks is a good idea because you can read them more as a chunk, so you're Why not going to you... really forget what's Why going on. Want to... uh, Department of Truth, a book uh, from Image that I think will read really well in the trade, um, is nice. Something's Killing the Children, another mm-hmm. good trade book. Yeah. All right. All good ideas. This is from Jolene. What do y'all think is the favorite Halloween candy for the various members of the Bat family? Ooh, Ooh that's a good question. Oh, real quick. Uh, Corey Chachari, Chachar, sorry, I definitely mangled your name, over on YouTube says, Stray Dogs. That Stray Dogs, enough. great answer. Truly Straight great answer. So what uh, candy does each member of the Bat family like? Well, Batman, you know he's going to want a Granny Smith apple because that's <laughs> what kind of real <laughs> man he is. The re- oh, the only real apple out in the you game. You see, you're just uh, – that's ridiculous. I mean, honestly, I feel like he would – he doesn't have time for Not a good apple. Wants, like I feel like Batman would just, would just go like the plain Hershey, you know, and then like maybe Robin would go good bar, you know. Alfred's a crackle guy, you know what I mean? Alfred's a crackle guy. Oh, because his bones got cracked when being oh, his neck? Oh, come on. Too mean? soon, bro. Is that what you mean? It's too soon. Uh, crackle. That's very funny. Yeah. Um, uh, Damien's Mr. Goodbar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of an ironic I feel like fit. Batgirl probably has some licorice. That feels like a very hacker type yeah. thing. Like she's at the computer chewing on the Twizzlers or the Red Vines or something oh, like that. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Uh, uh, what about Cassandra Kane? Does she have any candy? She's more of a York peppermint patty. Oh, York peppermint patty. That's good. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Who's buying spree for Halloween? Yeah. I don't know. Too many Get people. Here, too many yeah. people. 
Kevin Maybe has a good one. Cassie's candy is all spoiled. Yes, absolutely. Nice. Good. Ooh. I feel like Batman's also maybe Batman's a little bit of a snob about it. He's like, I want whole Snickers or nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> he grew up in the good neighborhood. Yeah. Damien, Damien isn't even going to choose something. He's just going to go into the grocery store and jab his hand in a sack of candy and take whatever he wants. Exactly. The bulk candy station where you can just oh, eat whatever dude. you want. Oh, yeah. He eats right out of that. Oh, Absolutely. Man. Oh, those were the good old days. Just sucking down uh, gummy worms, just like Dr. Z over here. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, uh, we got the... shops. <laughs> yeah, that's where I get all my food for my children. This is from Jay Citizen. Not the best Marvel comic, but what is the most Marvel comic? Whoa. Good question. The most Marvel uh, comic. It might be The Ultimates, number one. Oh, wow. Interesting. Why do you say that? Because of that's, the title? <laughs> the, yeah, the title. And I, that that's a, the comic that was trying to be the most Marvel comic, I feel like. Was it? I don't know. Just because it was so, like, dark. And, yeah, Derek has my answer. I was going to say Secret Wars. Just mm, because it's every character. It's all mashed up. It's a big fight. But there's also some big pathos. There's some huge moves that happen in there. Um, it, in, it that, in that line. like... All I was going to say was it feels like it defined the base level of Marvel comics for the next several decades. That's fair. In, the, in that vein, I would say the Infinity Gauntlet, um, the original Ooh. series. Um, but what I was saying about the Ultimates was that was the comic was like, this is Marvel. Look. Look at it. it this is what it is. <laughs> Look uh, at it. <laughs> Do you think this A stands for You yeah, like this? Yeah. It's fucking Ultimate, man. Uh, cool. This is from Edward Doherty. What comics or one do you feel like you should read but haven't yet? Ooh. Ooh. Confession time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have the go-tos that, you know, we usually say here, but I don't know. Well, is there anything coming out now that you're like, should really read that? Yeah. I, I mean, I'll tell you what, I think about this every week, and we've talked about this before. I'm not reading most of the X-Men line because it's just too much. Like, and it, plus you got to hear me complain about the same stuff every time. That's gonna yep. drive you crazy. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little Your bit. Your strategy's working, Pete. <laughs> Your strategy's working they're, perfectly. They're anti-whisper campaign. Yeah, they're doing the yeah. Shout I'm ruining X Men for you. This the squeaky wheel gets the comic taken off the pull list. <laughs> well, but it's definitely like I've we've talked about this before. But I feel. Uh, it's necessary to read things like Inferno or the big events or anything like that. That are sort of these markers in terms of where the line is going. But even though I like a lot of the titles, I'm just, there's so many of them on a weekly basis. It's hard to keep up, man. I can't wait to talk about Inferno with you. Any other titles? Uh, (laughs) Confrontation. (laughs) Great. Uh, Silent confrontation there. Um, any other titles? I mean, I can't think of any. I guess it's, uh, I should, we should be re- reading all comics. Yeah. I mean, I'm, sh- I'm sure there's stuff that we're missing, which sucks, but, uh, you know, you can only, you only have so much money. You only have so much time. Um, you know, it's not lack of caring. It's, you know. This is from Kevin. What are some of your favorite nonfiction books about comics? What? Mm. <laughs> how is that even a... like all what of the marvels the title that we just talked about yeah. 10 minutes ago great that's uh, my answer uh, on that, Kev. wow 
Um, Abraham Reisman's uh, Stan Lee book uh, yeah. is very cool. Um, oh, understanding uh, understanding comics. comics uh, uh, yep, con so artists. That's not nice that's fiction, fiction but that's, uh, close. that's Fred Van Lanty's book about a uh, heist. That was real, con. though. That was his his life story. No, that's a real book in that it's paper and you yep. could buy it. The Punisher. That's a good documentary. I like that. Yep. Very good. Great. Those are some good recommendations. This is from Nelson Martinez. <laughs> Loving the pod. Lock and key unlocked. If you guys had the anywhere key, where would you go Ooh. first? And which key would you want to have most if you could only pick one from ones you've seen so far. Oh, now be careful I, about spoilers here, gang. Mm-hmm. Anywhere well, he's key, saying from the sure. ones we've seen so far in the first two. Yeah, seasons. I know, but we've not everyone's seen all of the, the sure. season. That's true. That's you know what I would saying. do first is I would take the anywhere key. I would go punch Nat right in the face. And oh, wow, uh, wow, the stomach, the stomach. Wow, Nat's what? not even here. Uh, and then, I saw uh, Nat in person um, last two nights ago. And is he looking extra ter- punchable? He's, he's terrible. He's gotten he's jacked, dude. I don't yeah, know. He oh keeps saying God, like yeah. I'm coming for because <laughs> his voice is deeper. I'm coming. Wow. For I'm not scared at all. Uh, yeah, I would use it to punch him and then uh, put you both on notice. And then uh, I would just basically do it for food. Just go to all my favorite food places. After that, live my best life. <laughs> Wow. wow. All things you could do anyway. Pretty normally, yeah. Well, I love that no, you're like, no, I'm talking about food. Yeah, I use the anywhere key to go to the cheesesteak place down the street. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should just use the any cheesesteak key. Mm-hmm. Spoiler, end of season two. All over the place. Wow. Imagine really? using the anywhere key and going to Rochester. <laughs> Some great food. It's called the anywhere key, not the <laughs> one place key. How about you, Schmucks? Uh, which key? Mm. Uh, I mean, the Anywhere key is the most fun key. But mm-hmm. it's also the one that I feel like you can really mess up. I would love to try the ghost key just to see who's hanging out in graveyards. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Fly around uh, a little bit. Music box key so I could control people and make oh, them do you my would bidding. Do that. Wow. You already do that with us, Alex. <laughs> The Hercules key would be fun. I mean, my answer is the the head key. I want to yeah. I want to open it up and check it out. You know, that would be great. There are oh, so I'd many things so that I've forgotten. To do that, like, oh. let alone talking to Douglas Woke about the stuff. I was like, Jesus Christ, we've read so many comics that I've definitely forgotten at this point. Being able to go into my head and be like, oh, yeah. where would your head be? Would it be like a comic shop? Like, what would it be inside your head? Hmm. I like the idea of a comic shop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it would be the Virgin Mega Store. Wow! Wow! That's wow! You're flexing how big your idea. brain is. You were like, no, that was dead. the Virgin, Virgin Mega Store in levels. Times Square. Yeah, Secondarily, the one off of Union Square, but the Virgin Mega Store in Times Square. I spent so much time in there, <laughs> so going reading yeah. graphic novels, listening to music, watching movies on all yep. of their stations. So Nobody beats the Wiz, <laughs> Carousel Ball, Syracuse, New York. Yeah, dude. Uh, Carousel Ball, I've been there a bunch. Uh, a question from uh, Jolene that makes me think uh, several ghosts of my family members are hanging around with Jolene. Would any of you use the echo key to bring a loved one back to life? Okay, yes, I would bring <laughs> beloved right. relatives back to life. Uh, yeah, Man, 
Uh, oh, we have a follow-up for Justin. Did he choose the head key so he could hear the meaty squelching sound over and over? Oh, oh that would be God. the worst part no. of it. Terrible sound. Stop it. I swear, Stop. I swear they turn up the sound. They do. It's like episode. after it each episode, louder. it gets louder and louder. Yeah. Awful. Uh, we got two last ones here from Tablo de Martinez. What's the best comic to read on Halloween? Long Halloween. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's a yeah. good one. I, I'd say Lock and Key. I know that's an easy answer, but it's the actually scary comic book, so I think that's pretty great. Uh, that's pretty good. Um, there's something about uh, Alan Moore Swamp thing that, that comes mm. to mind first, like sort of that uh, something about the swamp, the way that the swamp is built out. <laughs> Sorry, I just tied back to the what comics have you uh, not read that you should have. I like the fact that both me and Peter, are like, yes, absolutely, we're nodding, we know what you're talking about, but neither of us have read it. Well, no, but I know what it looks like. So when he's describing what it's called, I get it's a spooky, swampy setup. I can neither of you have read Swamp Thing. Neither yeah, we've have read been it. down this road before. Yes, I can't. I thought uh, you got to truly some of the best. There's plenty yeah. of Alan Moore I also haven't read, but that Alan Moore is the. Is I've the read Lost one. Girls a ton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And let me be honest. I bet you didn't read it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't think you've read the words. Probably. I want to check out this crazy. I read it every Halloween. Crazy uh, <laughs> movie that Alan Moore wrote that people are talking about in the Slack. It looks insane. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Nope. <laughs> I nope. don't think. I don't think he's. Oh, I'm sorry. That was that was written by Sean Connery. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just we... tape what I'm saying. He just said the words. We got one last one here. This is from Jolene. Uh, y'all read Batman Wayne Family Adventures. Why can't we get more fun slice of life superhero books? I think part of the reason is they don't sell as much. Wow. <laughs> That's all. I, I mean, I think DC is doing a fantastic job with their YA line, which we've talked about a lot here on the show. We've had people come in and do interviews about it. I think it's great. They're reaching out to new audiences with things like what we're talking about here as well. They just don't sell quite as much as the main superhero line so they always have very smart editors that are pushing these things but uh long term i don't know that there's as much of an an investment as there should be and i feel like we i personally like those because it's a break from all the other superhero Mm -hmm. stuff that we see and we get to see the other sides of these characters and i think for more casual fans that's less of a (laughs) desire i think yeah all right, and that is it for your audience questions. Question. We are going to move on to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePay. All right. This is Pete the part we give back LePage. to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win 25 free dollars to Midtown Comics Online because if you had 25 bucks, you go to a comic book shop. Um, so... All we need is a first hand up guy. Hey, hey what's Ooh. up? Uh, Derek oh. is down. Derek is down. Derek's in. All right, here we go. Inviting Derek into the stream. Take your time. Don't say anything while we're waiting. Okay. Good idea. Just Good idea. Keep, keep Who us? Yeah, yeah. Keep I was nice just trying time. to. I was trying to concentrate and try to hope the streams lined up. I yeah. feel like I have a. We got a question here while we're waiting for Derek. Ooh, hey, Derek. Hello. Hey, Derek. Hi. How are you? Yo. I'm good. I'm good. 
welcome. Thank you. Uh, Great we, to have you. Quick have question here before we start. This is from Jack Rudy over on YouTube. Would you guys ever think about changing the podcast to the Beardy Boys? And the answer is yes. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, since, especially now that we got know, Derek. Al here. Alex and Justin <laughs> copied me with the beard, but you know, it's all good. Thanks, I did. My face just has been next year's for so long. It spread like a poison ivy under my arm. <laughs> yeah, I'm growing this for a Halloween costume, actually. Oh, Ooh, what are you going to be? Laszlo from What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, nice. <laughs> actually, Jackie Daytona, specifically. Ooh, uh, that's bartender. Great. Very cool. So Pete, funny. take it away with the trivia. I, I, okay. have, I, have, I have an ulterior motive. I apologize, guys. Uh, thank you so much thank you so much awesome i appreciate it my wife appreciates it made our, made our night thank you awesome Ooh, fun no book sorry about book. my scathing review i apologize available everywhere yes thank you <laughs> <laughs> makes it easy when the book's good I was, I was scared for i was scared for half a second because here's my wife watching it and you start with, <laughs> with your semi-scathing review i'm like uh oh what yeah. have i done but that's what that's great dr z so. All right. Today's <laughs> trivia is no. topical comic news and a small nod to the legend Chris Ares, R.I.P. Frieza. Uh, please listen to all three possible options before making the correct uh, guess. All right. Okay, here we go. Question number one. What writer is working on a new mystery series for Marvel? Is it A, Greg Pak, B, Jason Aaron, or is it C, Android 18? So is it A, don't pick it, or is it B? Hmm. B, that sounds great. Jason Aaron. Yeah. yeah, exactly, right? Does that sound fun? Jason Aaron writing a mystery thing for Marvel? Very excited. Uh, question number two, new team-up alert. Red Hood is teaming up with whom in the new DC comic Task Force Z? Is it A, Bane, B, Batman, or is it C, Bulma? So is it either A, Bane, which makes sense, or B, Batman? We'll go with A. A is correct. All Great right, here stuff. we go. Last one. Image Comics is planning a midnight release for the return of blank. Is it A, Ice Cream Man, oh. B, Saga, or C, Piccolo? So is it either A or is it B? It's about time that Saga came back. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think we're ready for it. Yes. Yeah. There we go. Did you get it? <laughs> Is that it, Pete? That's oh. it. You got them all right. $25. <laughs> wow. What a <laughs> <laughs> Great. Please don't say anything on that front, Pete. Uh, congratulations. You're going to get a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. Just email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com. Pete, you. what was your secret quiz? Derek, do you have a, do you have a guess? There's oh a... no! This is, uh, somebody else usually answer this. Who is usually on top? Yeah, of this? this is someone else's job. Yeah, this is someone else's job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we're talking obviously about the uh, 2015 TV series Dragon Ball Z Resurrection. Act. Oh, there it is. Uh, yeah, Dragon Ball yeah, Z yeah, in the yeah, comments. Yeah. We all knew that. Probably we all knew that. that. Congratulations, Derek. Have a great Thank night. You. Good night. All right, there we go. Now, as we all know, comics are great, and you should read them. So, what are you guys <laughs> recommending? That's coming out this week. Pete, over to you first. Uh, well, there's a couple. I'm looking forward to Echo Lands number three, Once in Future number 20, and House of Slaughter number one. A lot of amazing art and storytelling in there. Cool. What about you, Justin? 
I'm going to give it up for the issue of Daredevil that is coming out. Yes, dude. Uh, really enjoying this run. A lot of um, fun back and forth with uh, Daredevil being in jail. You got uh, Elektra being Daredevil. Uh, yeah. Typhoid Mary shows up. Uh, I Chip Zdarsky is doing a great job, and the art's fantastic. There's a bunch of Batman stuff coming out tomorrow that I'm very curious bunch. to check out. Batman The Long Halloween Special, number one, reuniting Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. And then we also got Batman Fortnite Foundation, number one. Batman Fortnite Zero Point was a huge surprise in terms of how good it was. So very curious yeah. to check out both of those. Uh, also, uh, Derek there uh, in the comments, yeah. uh, shout out Dark Blood, also really great. And, we'll great be talking about our stock. and we're going to be talking about all of those things in our stack podcast that comes out in the comic book club feed and also in its own dedicated stack feed Wednesdays at 9 a.m. And folks, that is it for this week's show. A couple of people to thank. We want to thank Douglas Wolf for coming on the show. All the Marvels, all of the Marvels, excuse me, is out now. Also, Dwayne Murray and Sean Daly. Top Shelf's A Better Place is on stands now as well. Great books. Great. Definitely check them out. Next week on the show, Chip Zdarsky and Jacob Phillips are going to be here to talk about the new Image Comics book, New Bird, which should be very exciting. Yeah. Also, we got a bunch more podcasts you can check out. Why the Cast, man? Why the Cast, cast, man? Podcast is still coming out despite the show's sad cancellation. So we got a couple more episodes coming of that. Also, we have a surprise episode with that. Yeah, we'll have a bonus episode coming up that you guys should check out. Stay tuned. Marvel Vision or Marvel Podcast is on hiatus at the moment, but definitely still check that out. That'll be coming back for Hawkeye. Riverdale After Dark, our Riverdale podcast. We just talked to showrunner Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa about season six, so check that out. Star Guys, our Stargirl podcast is coming out weekly as well. Patreon.com slash comic book club. Support the show and all the shows we do. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, follow, and listen. Remember, leave us a question or a review request in the iTunes comments, and we'll talk about it here we on the show. We will cover that book. And Alex, too much Lock and Key Unlocked, our Lock and Key podcast. Oh, yeah, Lock and Key Unlocked, our Lock and Key podcast. Two. I forgot. We are Truly. recapping Lock and Key right now. So uh, the also fun we're having is that podcast. At Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, Comic Book Club Live.com. Good night. <laughs>